Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P. H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 37. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was forty years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty-three years. Then Solomon his son sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. 1 Kings 2, 10-12 So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him, Adonijah, down, and he died. 1 Kings 2.25 As David's breathing became labored, Abishag helped him sit up. She adjusted pillows behind his back for support. Benaiah, call Solomon to me, David rasped. When they reached David's side, Solomon knelt at his bedside, kissed his father's hand, and touched his forehead to it. What does my lord the king desire? I am about to die, as all men must, but you are growing stronger and becoming a man. You must carefully obey all the commands and laws of the Lord your God, everything written in the law of Moses. If you do this, you'll be successful at whatever you do and wherever you go. And if you remain faithful, the Lord will keep his promise to me that if my sons carefully live the way he instructs, sincerely, with all their hearts, the King of Israel will always be a man for my family. David took a deep breath, the effort almost too much for him. My son, I wanted to build a temple for the Lord God, one that would be famous among the nations. But the Lord denied me, saying, You have fought many wars and shed much blood, so you cannot build a temple to my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace, and I will give him rest from all his enemies. His name will be Solomon, and I will give Israel rest and quietness in his days. He will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father. And someone from his family will rule Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you build this temple, as he said you would. You are now the king of Israel. May he give you wisdom and understanding so that you can lead his people. Be strong and brave and do not be afraid. David moved up in the bed and continued with an urgency that suggested he knew he didn't have much time left. You remember what Joab did to me by killing two of the commanders of Israel's armies, Abner the son of Ner and Amasa son of Jether. He killed both of them during a time of peace. I should have punished him then. But use your wisdom and don't let them die peacefully at the old age. Solomon nodded. Yes, my king. Show kindness, though, to the children of Barzillai from Gilead. Befriend them and let them eat at your table, because they provided for me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember that Shimei, the son of Girah, is still around. He is the Benjamite from Bahurim, who cursed at me as I fled. And when he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, I made a promise to him in the name of the Lord that I wouldn't kill him. Now you are a wise man, and you know what you must do. Don't leave him unpunished or let him die in peace. David leaned his head back on the pillow, physically and emotionally spent by the effort required to charge his son. Yes, father. Solomon dropped his head onto the bed near David's chest and wept. David stroked his curly hair. You will be a fine king if you continue to serve the God of our fathers. Solomon sat up and wiped his tears. He stood, gazed at David for a long moment, and then left the room. Once the greater business of the kingdom was settled and Solomon was officially reigning over Israel, David seemed to relax. 
Even though he knew death was imminent, he didn't seem to fear it. In fact, one of the many psalms he had written revealed his assurance that he would soon see the God he loved all his life. One verse of the psalm said, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I will be fully satisfied when I awake to find myself seeing your face. He and Benaiah reminisced about the good and bad of their many years soldiering together, the way God was always faithful to protect them from their enemies and from King Saul. They recalled the joy of David's throne being established, first in Hebron for seven years, and then in Jerusalem over all of Israel for 33 years. There were many battles, and their fallen soldiers were grieved. David's wives and concubines had borne him many children. Benaiah, David said one afternoon from his bed, Yes, my lord? David smiled. Benaiah, of all my mighty men, you have been by my side the most. As chief of my bodyguard, you've seen all the goings-on of my kingdom and my family. My nephews, Joab and Abishai, although loyal, have been so bloodthirsty and harsh. Benaiah wasn't sure how to respond, so he just repeated, Yes, my lord. In fact, I'd venture to say that not only were you my most loyal servant, but I like to think you are also my friend. David looked up at Benaiah expectantly, even hopefully. Benaiah relaxed. I do feel that way as well, sire. I respect and love you. I just wish I had been a true friend when it mattered. Now, now, Benaiah, we've been over that. I wouldn't have listened at the time anyway. Then yes, I do feel we are friends, he admitted. Then can you oblige me just once and call me David? Especially now when no one else is here? His smile held a hint of challenge. I don't know if I can. You've always been my superior and then my sovereign. David shifted in bed and sat up. Please try. Benaiah screwed up his face. This didn't come naturally. David, you have a fine son on the throne. Benaiah squirmed. He meant the words, but the manner of speech was foreign to him. He may be young, but he is teachable and humble. I believe he will make the nation even greater than it has been. David reached out to grasp Benaiah's hands. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. King David died soon afterwards, and Benaiah felt privileged to be at his side when his friend and king passed to his reward. He was remembered as a man after God's own heart and a sweet psalmist of Israel. Benaiah recalled another psalm David had written that said, The death of one of the Lord's loyal ones is precious in his eyes. Truly this time period was a fulfillment of the promises God made to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The nation that Moses had led out of Egypt centuries earlier was now settled, established, and growing. The times of the judges were over, and although still a theocracy in one sense, they had a king like the nations around them. Wealth was pouring into their country. God was truly blessing them. They were now in the land, flowing with milk and honey, as God promised. The whole nation mourned for the king a full month. Even foreign kings sent messages of condolence to the new king. One of them was Hiram, king of Tyre in the north. He had always loved David and had supplied cedar trees, carpenters, and masons to help build David's house when they moved from Hebron to Jerusalem. He rejoiced to know that Solomon was now on the throne of his father David. His message read, I praise the Lord for giving David a wise son to rule this great nation in his place. The change in government from King David to King Solomon passed without incident. Solomon had been content with the shared power of the co-regency while his father David lived, 
and let his time to reign come to pass as God planned. Yet once his father died, he moved swiftly to establish his rule. Benaiah found it no hardship to serve the son as he had his father. Solomon was even-tempered and sober, not as joyful as his father was, but not as prone to bouts of melancholy either, perhaps because he had no reason to be sad. This was a rare time of peace in Israel. Solomon had inherited a stable kingdom, if one didn't count the usurpers within the palace walls. The queen mother would like a word with her son, a servant announced at the door. Bathsheba entered the common room, graceful and beautiful as ever, in her sixth decade. Solomon rose from his throne and bowed to her, then sat back down. Another throne for the queen mother, Solomon ordered, quickly. When it was set in place near Solomon's right hand, she took her seat on it. Solomon reached out and kissed his mother's hand and smiled at her. What can I do for you, mother? Bathsheba smoothed out non-existent wrinkles from her luxurious gown. I have one small thing to ask of you. She took a deep breath. Please don't refuse me. Solomon looked at her in disbelief. Ask anything, my mother. Let your brother Adonijah marry Abishag, the woman from Shunem. Benaiah stifled a gasp at the implications of this request. Adonijah's machinations had not ceased. First the royal bodyguard and chariots, then the pronouncement that he was king, and now he was attempting to take a royal wife or a concubine as a method of legitimizing his claim to the throne. Absalom had done it done so with David's concubines and Abner with Ishbosheth's concubine Rizpah. A storm flared behind Solomon's eyes. He rose slowly from his throne. Why would you request such a thing, mother? Why don't you just ask me to give him the whole kingdom as well? After all, he's my older brother, and both Abiathar the priest and Joab support him. Bathsheba seemed not at all shocked by her son's heated response. Perhaps she was looking out for the security of her son's kingdom by posing a seemingly innocent question that was meant to raise Solomon's awareness of an imminent threat. By God, I swear I'll make Adonijah pay for this treason with his life. God has established me as king of Israel on the throne of my father David. It was promised to me and my descendants. Adonijah will die today. Solomon nodded to Benaiah. In obedience to the unspoken order, he left the common room and ordered another soldier to take his place at the king's side so he could go and execute Adonijah. He took with him two other soldiers, although they would not be necessary. Benaiah knew how to do his job. Benaiah wondered if Bathsheba harbored any feelings of jealousy for Abishag, and if that's what prompted her to agree to Adonijah's request to approach Solomon. With so many women in David's harem, there was bound to be some rivalry. Was Bathsheba upset that David sought out a younger, more beautiful woman to keep him warm in his old age, rather than his favorite wife? In bringing Adonijah's request to her son, she must have suspected what his response would be. If Abishag's loyalty to David and Solomon could be brought into question, perhaps Bathsheba hoped she'd be banished. Benaiah searched for Adonijah, expecting him to be in hiding. Instead, he found him in his quarters. Did he really expect Solomon to just hand Abishag over to him, like when they were boys and Solomon gave his older brother a prize to console him for losing a fight? Benaiah ordered the two soldiers to escort Adonijah's guards out of the room, which they did at the points of their swords. 
I take it my little brother denied my request? Adonijah laughed mirthlessly. Too bad. I did find the girl somewhat appealing. So he wasn't sincere in his request? Benaiah advanced toward the king's brother and drew his sword. Kneel, he commanded. Adonijah hesitated, then lowered himself in front of Benaiah. What is my sentence? he asked, as if he didn't know. Benaiah grasped Adonijah's hair to expose the man's neck. For treason against the Lord's chosen, King Solomon, you are found guilty. The punishment is death. At least assure me your short sword is sharp, Benaiah, Adonijah said. It is. Benaiah answered evenly, then dragged it across the traitor's throat with a swift stroke. The body dropped to the floor. Assured that Adonijah was dead, Benaiah ordered his servants to come back inside. Arrange for his burial. As Benaiah returned to the palace, he reflected on all the prophecies he had seen come to pass. Solomon, the son of David, was reigning in Israel, just as the prophet Nathan had told David long before that evening with Bathsheba. Solomon's son Rehoboam was born a year before Solomon took the throne, so the Lord was establishing Solomon's house by already providing an heir to the newly crowned king. And now the prophetic judgment from David's own lips against the fictional man who had acted wickedly by stealing his neighbor's ewe lamb had also come to pass. David had demanded that the chief the thief restore fourfold what he had unlawfully taken, not realizing that he was the perpetrator in this tale. He had now lost four sons, the newborn unnamed son, Amnon killed by Absalom for the rape of Tamar, Absalom killed by Joab against David's orders, and now finally Adonijah for his treasonous request. Could it be that the consequences of that fateful night were finally at an end? Benaiah still carried guilt for his part in the sinful act that had led to this moment. He felt responsible for the death of David's first son, and now directly for this fourth son. He never imagined that it would be his own hand that took the life of one of David's sons. But the Lord had called him to this profession at this time for his glory. Summon Abiathar the priest to me, Solomon ordered. When Abiathar was brought before the king, he bowed low to the ground, trembling. My lord, he gulped, no doubt expecting to hear a certain death sentence. Where are you living, Abiathar? the king asked. In Anathoth, my lord, he squeaked out. Go back to your fields there, Solomon ordered. Sir, you well know that you deserve death for your part in Adonijah's treason. Abiathar hung his head in agreement. But because you were the mediator between my father and the Lord when he was on the run, and you shared the hard times with my father, I won't put you to death. The elderly priest let out the breath he'd been holding. Yet you will no longer be a priest to the Lord. Abiathar nodded in acceptance of his judgment. Thank you, sire, for your great mercy. Continue listening for chapter 38.